0: hey guys welcome to because i said so the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves how we perceive others and the conversations that we have because of it thank you for listening and please leave a review to support the podcast thank you so today i wanted to um just kind of talk to you guys about something that is very very important to me and very very personal to me um when this comes out it will have just wrapped up national eating disorders awareness week which this year was february 22nd through the 28th i believe and this is a topic that i mean especially with young people um is so prevalent, but also pervades the lifestyles of, I think, so many adults, because in this generation, we have a lot more freedom to talk about a lot of mental health things than I think they really did, um, than our parents' generations really did, and so I think that it's still really prevalent, um, and so I first wanted to kind of touch on, like, what is an eating disorder? I feel like we kind of know, but there's main types, um, The ones that are most common are anorexia nervosa, uh, bulimia, binge eating disorder, and then we talk about ARFID, which is, I think, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. And that kind of encompasses a little bit more of like the things that maybe don't have specific names, but um, can kind of more commonly be known as disordered eating a lot of times but maybe there's like a line to cross there and I think that we'll get into that in a second but I think that a lot of people don't realize how serious it can be because we have this image in our minds I think of what something like an eating disorder looks like and I'm here to tell you if you don't already know eating disorders do not have a look Um, I know that there has been lot of change made in the way that they diagnose eating disorders but that it's still kind of a hard thing because i understand um having certain things and certain qualities for a diagnosis but i think that specifically with some of these disorders they rely on sometimes bmi weights and a certain level of bmi to diagnose things and i think that that can be harmful because already within an eating disorder there's kind of this common belief amongst a lot of people that struggle with them that you're not sick enough quote-unquote sick enough Uh, and I think that that is so dangerous and I know personally with me that was something that was very very true and very very difficult and it, it creates this culture of just nobody really getting a diagnosis and it is the reason that it is such a deadly illness to be struggling with and it is the reason that so many people have it so 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 common um and it's it's just it's frustrating because now that I've been through it I can see it in other people and I see how many times I saw people struggling maybe not as much with an eating disorder but just disordered eating in general and so we can go ahead and kind of make that distinction an eating disorder I mean, it's kind of like the things that I already listed. They tend to have a certain, like, be of mind, they tend to be of a certain severity. Or that's how they tend to be diagnosed. And I think that there are certain signs. Like, I know, personally, I dealt with anorexia. And I know that there's things like a certain heart, not like a specific heart rate, but like low heart rate, um, hair falling out, um, like, just like a certain intake, a certain weight level, like... Um, Digestive issues, there's and like hair, skin, and nail problems, acne, several other things, um, feeling cold all the time, things like that. There's like a lot of different ways that they can diagnose it, but it tends to be things like that in that realm. It, It tends to be very serious. It tends to be more threatening, and I will go ahead and say the reason that those things can be so deadly is because it forces your body to feed on your muscles because it's already it's been trying to take in everything that it can. It already absorbed all the energy that it could from fat and so it feeds on your muscles causing your muscles to atrophy and your heart is a muscle so eventually your heart atrophies which is part of the reason that low heart rate is one of the symptoms. Um, but with disordered eating I think of that a lot more as kind of the result of diet culture but the reason that I don't think you can just swipe disordered eating under the rug is because eating disorders all start out with disordered eating, you know? So it's kind of the precursor there, and there's always... If you live in disordered eating cycles, you're always on the edge, I think, of an eating disorder. And that can look a lot more like, again, diet culture, like labeling foods as good, as, as good and bad, um, like rewarding yourself with food, like going on these diets, um, not just experiencing the pressure of the diet culture, but actually diving into diets and saying oh no, I'm not going, I'm dropping bread or something like that. Um, And so I think that that's an important distinction in order to, you know, validate the severity. And I understand that, but I don't think that it needs to be taken any less seriously because it really does contribute to the cycle of eating disorders in youth and in adults. And so I kind of was going to give a little bit about my background and my story um a lot of times but not always a lot of times other mental hardships can contribute so for me because um, again I'm going to be speaking a lot from my experience I mean I've also talked to a lot of people and um learned a lot but what I'm talking about right now is mainly my experience um so I have OCD and I've struggled with that And for me, eating ended up kind of festering as this sort of um, obsession and this compulsion. And especially being someone who would self-label as somewhat of a, a, well, maybe not somewhat, a perfectionist. I'll just say it. No, no, um, you know, modifiers. But um, someone that's a perfectionist, someone that is obsessive, somebody that needs control. That's a huge thing. Um, needs control, and also coupling that with just a lot of change at that time in my life, switching schools, you know, remarriage in the family, things like that, I think, and also just being a girl, a teen, (laughs) who, you know, is self-conscious, I think all of that kind of coupled together, oh, and also being a runner, which there are also sports, such as dance or gymnastics or running that are very common areas for eating disorders to occur Um, but all of that kind of coupled together and it happened very very quickly. I think that it really happened again before I fully knew what was going on and that's part of the reason probably that I didn't think that I was sick. Eating disorders have been in my family and I've seen what they looked like and I've seen kind of how they manifested but I don't think I fully understood what they meant and I think it's really easy to say from an outside perspective oh like why don't you just eat which I think luckily uh, with a lot of the discussions that we've had about eating and food and um, just diet culture in general within our generation I think that that's a less common thing but I think that it's still out there, and it still is relatively common for people to just think like, "Oh, I can never do that." Like that sounds so crazy. Like, why wouldn't you just eat? Um, and so I, I didn't really know the warning signs. I didn't really know much about it, and I think I just started out being like, "Oh, like I want to lose a little bit of weight," um, and then it really just spiraled. I we had winter break. I was home alone a lot, and I was extremely restrictive, and then at the same time, I was running, but running for me was really, like, the only thing that I would eat for, um, so I'm not saying if you're struggling with, um, you know, disordered eating or anything like that to keep exercising, but for me, it ended up kind of being my saving grace, but, um, in a span of, I don't know, maybe, like, two months, it went from dieting to, like, definitely a full-blown eating disorder, and then another two months, it was very, very bad. I know before winter break, my teacher had asked me, they were like, she'd pulled me aside and she'd asked me if I'd lost a little bit of weight and I was, I lied to her face. I was like, no, I don't really think I'm trying to lose weight. And she wasn't like too terribly concerned, I don't think. And I didn't even think it was noticeable, so I was kind of surprised. And then when we came back from winter break, um, I guess two, two months is when I started to kind of get treatment or a... That's the whole, that's, we'll get into that in a second, but I guess it was winter break, uh, I guess, three weeks, maybe a month, and we came back, and I had lost a significant amount of weight during that time, because being home alone during that time, and just having a lot of free time, and needing something to control, allowed that to really, really fester, and I lost a lot of weight, and it was very, very isolated, Um, and it caused me to isolate myself from, friends too and i think that that is so dangerous and it's such a dangerous place to be in because this voice in your head this we call it ed that's what, <laughs> a lot of times um ed can just it, it he can do whatever or she or it, whatever you're gonna call it i always call it a he um ed can do whatever he wants and will do whatever he wants and whatever he can find to control you and to become the idol in your life, and so I think, for me, isolating myself, um, was, was a big catalyst for things getting worse, but I know my mom, who has struggled with eating, um, and seen it also happen with my siblings, she knew before I said anything, and I never fully came out and said it, because again, I didn't really think I was that sick, I just thought maybe I had a little bit of a problem with eating, but she knew, and she... Wanted me to go to the doctor. And my dad and I both were kind of, like, rolling our eyes on her. Like, the doctor's not going to do anything. The doctor's going to say I'm fine. And originally, I was kind of... I kind of, like, you know, lied to my pediatrician. And he's like, are you trying to lose weight? And I'm like, no. And, I mean, I'm sure that they knew something was up. But they were like, okay, we'll send you to, like, the eating disorder specialist. And they, they might just send you home. But it's worth just, like, having them look at. And I remember... We were outside at school during our, like, little, like, outside outdoor time, and I was having a ball with my friends, and it was right after lunch, and so it was all that good stuff. And then I remember getting picked up, and I was just in the car, like, I, I remember it so distinctly, because I, I still have pictures from just being in the car right, and sending like Snapchats to my friends, and that day, looking at it now in retrospect, was the worst day of my life um I remember going in I don't quite remember the exact like initiation of the conversation um but I remember telling the doctor how much I ate and my dad just looking shocked um and the doctor being extremely concerned and I I remember before before they even came in actually um the women there, who were my nurses, they came in and they did, um like, a pulse check and, like, some sort of heart test. And they were, like, talking and they were, like, this can't, like, be right. And so, like, then they got, like, more people to come in and they would try to get it, do it again. And they were, like, like, sweetie, like, do you feel okay? Like, do you feel like you're going to pass out? And I was, like, no. And I didn't really, like, know what was going on, but I found out when the doctor came in that it was because my heart rate was really 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 low um and it's scary looking back at it because that was really a four month span of time from where I had this impulse to where I was lying on that table and if I hadn't gone to that appointment it's like who knows how much longer necessarily that I my heart would have lasted and things like that and I it's it's so scary to think about but I I went in and I didn't expect anything and the thing that really broke my heart um, and sent me into like a spiral was them telling me that I couldn't run anymore. Because at that point, running was the only thing that was keeping me going. It was the only thing that I was able to focus on. Because again, when your brain and your body is so depleted of what it needs, it you live in such a fuzzy, clouded reality. And so it made me very manic in the sense of like, I was just so obsessive and so irritable and also so exhausted that I, I really felt like that was my identity, and so, I mean, school, I was I was okay there, but running was really, when they and they told me that I couldn't run anymore, and for me, running had almost been, I didn't want to admit it, and I did not admit it, but it was almost a little bit of what kept me in, I think, the eating disorder for a longer time, but... They were like you can't run anymore, and I did not talk to anybody for the rest of the appointment. We were there for like two hours, um, and the social worker explained like all of the mental aspects of it, and they drew these diagrams and explained it with all of these metaphors that felt very infantile to me, and I was like, don't talk down on me. Like I understand what you're saying, but I was not going to believe it. I was not going to internalize it. And I remember just not even being able to like make it out. I walked into the bathroom and started screaming on the floor because it felt like everything that I had cultivated, all the control, all the things that I'd like wanted, I didn't want to get better is kind of point-blank period, I didn't want to get better. I didn't want them to take this away from me. This is my coping mechanism, and they were all a threat to it. They were a threat to what I had. And now looking back, I can see that that really was that Ed voice in my head trying to take control, but I hated them with <laughs> a fury, with a rage that I can't even explain. Um, and I try not to use the word hate, because I feel like that just doesn't feel like the human heart can really be capable of that. But at that point, I feel like that gives the description of what I felt. I was so angry and I couldn't make it out. My parents pretty much had to, like, carry me out because I was just in the greatest distress at that point. Um, and even going into treatment, I I think that, for one, it can be hard to find really good treatment for things like this because again I was lucky enough to have a parent that had kind of seen this and knew what this looked like and it's very easy and I don't blame my dad for not knowing what it looked like or not thinking that I was sick because while it was very visible and I do know that I had teachers and friends that were worried about me I think that it's easy to just Assume because you're living in the same household, and maybe you're not seeing the full extent of these things, and maybe not fully aware of like how much they're eating. You know, they could be making themselves lunch, they could be making themselves dinner, they can also be lying that you know nothing's wrong, you know. Um, and so I think that that's a big reason that people don't get help, but also just this self denial that's one big reason. But I think it's also difficult because it is so individualized, and different things help different people. The place that I was getting treatment from, for me, did not work originally because that specific place was very, very harsh. And while I do think that there is a place for harshness, I needed someone that I felt like understood me a little bit more and was also explaining to me the process. Because there's different things that go on, you know, I mean, especially being a female with hormonal things and with weight gain distribution, and with things like your metabolic increases, and things like that, that just kind of complicate the process, and make things feel a lot weightier, and kind of confuse you, and your emotions are sent into a frenzy again by hormonal changes, and things like that, um, and I really needed a different place, and it took me a really over a year to fully find that, and I think that that was a disservice to myself that I kind of inflicted, because I, I didn't want to get better, one, and it's hard to get better if you don't want to get better, but I was also just in a very bad environment, and I wasn't really advocating for myself in the way that I should have at that point, because at that point, I knew something was wrong, and I remember even making a post on my Instagram, um, maybe a couple months before I'd found that good, solid treatment, and I was still sick, And I didn't think it because I made that post about how a year prior I'd had an eating disorder and how I was glad to have support and be, like, recovered then. And I look back at that girl and I'm like, you hadn't even started recovery. Like, you thought you did, but you definitely did not. Um, And so I think that that is – it's really, really interesting to see that. Um, And it even – it went on kind of throughout high school – for freshman year, I was still very sick. Um, And maybe not, I wasn't as sick, but I was still sick. And I still had compulsions about food. And I still was very, I mean, there's different things also that when people are recovering, they, they do, such as like breaking food into pieces, having to eat things in a certain amount of bite, eating things very slowly, things like that. And there's fear foods and there's things like that. There's so many different things that go on in recovery from an eating disorder. And specifically, a restrictive eating disorder. Um, Because I don't know a lot about the recovery story of someone that's dealt with binge eating disorder. But I imagine that it has its similarities and differences. But specifically, that's kind of my story. And then one thing that I also think is really important to touch on is orthorexia. And that kind of falls in that ARFID, the um, uh, fourth kind of type of, like, eating disorder that I mentioned, but that one's kind of like a catch-all, ARFID is kind of like a catch-all term um, for disordered eating and things like that. So orthorexia is, and I see this in so many people, um, and it kind of, again, falls in that like disordered eating diet culture-esque thing, but it's kind of like obsessive restrictive eating, and I think that a lot of people go into this pseudo-recovery where they're maybe not restrictive but they're very selective about what they'll eat um and it's obsessive healthy eating I see it all over things like TikTok I see it all over things like Instagram cutting out certain foods you know terrified to eat certain things just for fear of health and quote well quote unquote health um and things like that and there is a certain level of I think that it's okay to be aware of what you're eating and you know, aware of the nutrients that you're putting in your body, because that is all so important, but I think it's important to also have a sense of food neutrality, and um, that looks to me like not labeling foods as good or bad, like understanding that, yes, there may be different micronutrients in a piece of cake versus an apple but my body will still process them both as carbohydrates and my body needs carbohydrates and my brain needs carbohydrates to fun- to function and healthy fats um there's so many different healthy fats that are wonderful for your body and that healthy fats are so important don't avoid eating fats don't avoid eating fats I need you to hear me say that don't avoid eating fats um don't avoid eating carbs just I think that there's a place for all foods but I think that food neutrality can also look like you know, maybe I know that a salad will make my body feel better um, in the sense of like maybe like digestive issues or things like that or that it does provide some valuable nutrients for my body. So today I'm going to choose a salad. But it's not because I think that it's the good choice, quote-unquote, or quote-unquote the right choice, but maybe it's the better choice for me today and how I'm feeling. Or maybe I just really crave a salad because your body does tell you what it needs. Um, I think that that's really important. And I just see diet culture pervade so many people. And I, it just it's terrifying for me to see um, the amount of people that I think go through these things and don't fully know how to categorize it and don't think that they are sick enough. And there's not a specific person that has it either. I think that there is a big stereotype that with things like anorexia, it's this petite white female. And it's not that. So many males and so many people of color and so many different ethnic groups, et cetera, et cetera, so different socioeconomic statuses, go through that. And it doesn't get the same amount of attention, I think, a lot of times. And it's worrisome because then it doesn't get the same amount of treatment. And it's it's so pervasive within our culture. And I think that, again... A lot of people have noticed more of these things and talked about more of these things in recent years and in recent months even, but that there is still such a stigma and a stereotype around it that stops people from getting help. And one thing that I also want to mention is the importance of intuitive eating. That's something that I'm still trying to work on. um, And especially as an athlete, I think it can be difficult uh, because working out, and sometimes subdue hunger and things like that uh, but intuitive eating basically works like listening to your body it kind of goes along with what I said about food neutrality um, they work best together there's a lot of books about both of those things that you can read and that are lovely um, but basically intuitive eating it allows for your cravings it allows for everything you're listening to your body you're eating when you're hungry one thing that was very beneficial for me when I went to recovery, um, and went through recovery and ended up talking with the therapist and things like that was um trying to understand what hunger cues were. Because I think that the way that we are kind of taught to look at hunger by diet culture is um is this threat, as this negative thing, as this thing that we need to try to ignore for as long as possible. And that is not true. In fact that's awful. And learning the signs of like being hungry or like low blood sugar in general I think that there are so many people that have headaches um or just feel tired all the time and I'm like you, you realize that's probably something about mineral intake or vitamin intake or food intake in general um and so I think that it's it's really really important but anyway going back to intuitive eating um You're listening to your body and you're responding to those hunger cues and learning what those hunger cues are for your body and eating at the first sign of hunger. And it allows your body to meet its natural weight, you know? And I think for women, it can sometimes be easier to tell what your kind of natural set point weight is because of things like maintaining a menstrual period and maintaining a cycle, things like that. For guys, it can be a little bit harder. But I think that when you're you're practicing intuitive eating, It's not only allows so much freedom, because you're you're just being in tune with yourself and you're being in tune with your body and you're allowing for these cravings and you're allowing yourself to go out and eat certain foods, that diet culture or that a diet in general, um, or that an eating disorder wouldn't allow you to eat. But it also is just providing your body basic, like what it basically needs. You know, Um, in in terms of the amount that it needs in terms of vitamins that it needs I mean there's there's so much research on your body craving certain foods and certain fruits and certain vegetables and certain drinks and certain whatever 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 when it needs it because it your body is very very intelligent and it knows what it needs and it knows what vitamins it's lacking and it knows all of these different things and so I think that that is very very important and it's something that I think we all need to strive towards, and it's something that I would recommend reading a lot about, um, and learning what those hunger cues are for you, and I think that it's also important to note that whether or not you're coming from an eating disorder, but or, or rather, um, if you're just kind of trying to escape the hands of diet culture, um, that you can't always listen to your hunger signals, which is frustrating, because I just said, you know, always listen to your body's hunger signals, intuitive eating, that's so great, uh, but it takes a little bit to get to, and the thing is, when you're trying to restore your metabolic rate, um, you're going to have to probably eat when you're not hungry, and that can be difficult, because then you're like, wait, 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 what? I'm working towards this thing, of listening to my body, blah, 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 blah. For me, it worked like having a diet plan, um, and a nutritional plan and I don't mean diet in a restrictive sense I mean like these are the certain amount of, this is like a certain amount that you have to eat like I had an exchange system where yeah something like you know like an exchange was like a certain amount of like a food group like a certain amount of protein or something like that and I had to have a certain amount of exchanges at each meal and things like that and I was full all the time <laughs> and My digestive system was not great, but it's because my stomach needed that, my metabolic system needed that, Uh, my hormones needed that, and so it was necessary for me to undergo that. And so I know that that's kind of a little bit contradictory, but I think that intuitive eating is a privilege, and it takes a little bit to get there. And I am also aware that intuitive eating is a privilege not only in the sense of having the right mindset for intuitive eating, but also economics and being able to feed yourself, um, all of the times that you're hungry, because I think that that is something that is so prevalent, especially in a COVID, in a pandemic, um, world that, you know, not everybody is able to fully get all of those things, and so I want to acknowledge that as well, but, um, I don't know, this was just kind of my little, my story, <laughs> um, my thoughts on eating. I really love to be able to help people in regards to this. I've been able to help um my friends and my teammates and even some adults in my life and talk to them about these things and I think that it's just so prevalent and it breaks my heart to see other people go through it because I know that it detracts from your life so much and that it worries the people around you so much and that your quality of life is just so, so, brought so low. And then it can affect you for years, years. If you're purging, things like that, your teeth decay so much faster. Your bone health, it can cause neuro, um, I forgot the specific word, but it can cause a lot of side effects in your brain that can really affect you. Um, and even with things like a loss of a period, um, it can really affect your ability to have children. And that's something that I've had to talk to my doctors about in the future because I didn't have my period for such a long time that it can really, really affect you. So I say that not to not scare you, but also not to make you extremely terrified because I think that there is always room for your growth, you know, and I think that recovery is always possible. And that it's more so about learning how to talk down to those voices the diet culture and ed and all of these different things and i hope that this helps somebody out there um happy late national eating disorders awareness week and if you need somebody to talk to i am always here there's so many different resources i recommend looking at the national eating disorders um, association's website and yeah sending all of my love to you guys and i am proud of you for whatever successes you are making today. Bye.